0: This is come and see by Father Ron Baird for March 13th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. Please be seated. Well, we finally made it to the first Sunday of Lent. And I say finally because Easter is as late as it can possibly be this year. This is the latest that I remember it being in a very, very long time. And on the first Sunday of Lent each year, we hear this same gospel that Eric just read as retold by our three evangelists, Matthew and then Mark and then Luke. Both Matthew and Luke include... The same three temptations. Mark is most cryptic of all, merely saying that the Spirit drove Jesus into the desert where he remained 40 days and was put to test by Satan and was ministered to by the angels. Now, as we take a minute and look into this passage, there are three questions which we can ask First of all, why did Jesus go into the desert? In all three of the synoptic gospels, the spirit sends Jesus into the desert after the spirit has descended on him at his baptism in the Jordan by John the Baptist. His task had come to him. God had spoken to him. You remember the dove came down and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased listen to him, he must now think about how he was to attempt the tasks which God had given him to do. He had to get things clear in his mind before he began his journey and what a journey it would be. And to do that, before we begin a journey, we need to spend time with God alone, In the wilderness, Jesus could be more alone with God than anywhere else that he would be able to go. Now, what does that mean for us today? Well, if we believe that Jesus came to show us how to live, then what we have to do is to imitate his example and to spend time alone with God. We don't necessarily need to spend 40 days at a time in the desert, but we do need to spend time each day in prayer. I think the church is very wise in its wisdom when it requires priests and bishops and deacons and then the religious, the monks and the nuns, and yes, the Anglican and the Episcopal Church do have monks and nuns, um, to recite morning and evening prayer prayer on a daily basis. It it hooks us in. Secondly, we have to remember that this is not the only time that the devil tempted Jesus. As Luke points out on his reaccounting of this incident, when the devil had finished tempting him, he left to await another opportunity. We need to be ever vigilant in this world. We need to remember that this world that we live in, every day of our lives is Satan's playground. Remember in Job when God asked Satan what he's doing, and he says, "Oh, I'm just walking to and fro, to and fro over the Earth." Well, he was walking to and fro over the Earth to see what kind of trouble he could get into. And he's still walking to and fro over the earth, and he's still getting into trouble. And we are the rink of his trouble, believe me. We, we need to be so vigilant. We need to be so vigilant. We have to remember that Satan was the most beautiful angel that God created. And he can make sin look So great. It can look fun. It can look beautiful. It can look like something we really want to get involved with. And it just gets us in so much trouble. Third, Satan purposefully chose the temptations that he did, which he used on Jesus because he knew what Jesus' powers were. He knew that he could have accomplished anything that he suggested. And it's often those who appear to be the most successful, those who have really made it, who are at the most risk of succumbing to temptations and misusing their talents and gifts for their own benefit. I'm going to use myself as an example, and I do it humbly because I haven't made it, but I can give you an example of what we're talking about. I've received many times positive comments about my homilies, both from members of the congregation here and times past, and I have even received some national recognition about my homilies it would be a quick and easy transition for me to take all of the credit. Sure, I spend hours on them every week. I do the writing of them. But I know, and I have to remember at all times, that I merely am an instrument through which the Holy Spirit works if I am willing to be open to him. And I'm humbled to be so used. To be a part of that circle of the Holy Spirit through me, and then my listeners who may feel, hopefully, the Spirit working in their lives. If I break that circle by taking credit for myself, because it's not me, then the work of the Holy Spirit will not be accomplished. And... Each and every person that is here has been given a special gift by God. And if we use that gift, we will be tempted at some time to take credit for that gift for ourselves. What can I do for myself with this gift? But the question for every Christian must be what can I do for others with this gift? so that we who have been blessed with special gifts and talents constantly may be aware of those gifts and talents and where they have originated, and it's not with us. And the answer is most assuredly, it's not with us. I'm reminded of one of the anaphons we recite in morning prayer when we Celebrate the feast of a pastor which says, what you say of me does not come from you. It is the spirit of my father speaking through you. And we must remember that we are not the source. We are only the instrument. Actually, this is the basis of the first temptation. And Jesus was tempted to use his powers selfishly to satisfy his own hunger. And what happened? He refused to do so. Our Lord did not come to this earth to save himself. He came to save others. This temptation reaches its culmination on the cross. When the crowd challenges him, come down from there. You saved others. You can't save yourself. And even though we are not tempted by Satan to change stones into bread, we are challenged on a daily basis to think first of others and not of ourselves. I'm going to repeat that. I think that's the most important thing that I'm saying today. We are challenged, each of us on a daily basis, to think first of others and not of ourselves. This is what is expected of us as Christians. The second temptation, Satan challenges Jesus to throw himself down from the temple and let the angels save him. Well, it would have taken nothing for that. Legions of angels were hovering, waiting to save him. In our own lives, we're often called to take risks. But before we make the final decision, we have to look deep into our hearts and we have to discern which way we should go and why we should go that way. After I was ordained, I was asked to come and work at the church as a social worker rather than working at the state of Ohio that my skills could be used at the church. And I was asked by both my bishop and my priest. It was a hard decision. It was a very, very, very difficult decision. And before I made that ultimate decision, I had to look really deep down inside myself and see what the motivation was. I sincerely felt that Jesus was calling me to use my knowledge and my gifts for him Boy, did it mean a huge cut in pay. But God continually was telling me, promising me that he would provide. And I believe that he has continued to bless my efforts. Do I panic sometimes? When money gets short, there is no doubt that I panic You ever notice that God's right there at the edge, right to the point where you think I can't go another step, and wham, there he is, and he takes care of the situation. Our time frame is not God's time frame, and we have to be able to live within God's time frame. In everything we do, we have to discern whether we're doing something because it's God's will for us or because it's our will for us? How often in our lives do we find ourselves wanting to force God's hand to do our will and not his? And how often do we find it so difficult to accept God's will in our own lives? I don't always agree with God's plans, do you? There are times I want to say to you, What do you think you're doing to me? And why are you doing it? But the thing is, I know that he can see the future. I see this much. He sees everything. And he knows what's right. And even though it may be difficult for us, we have to realize that as difficult as it is to accept God's will in our own lives... That's what we're called as Christians to do. Just as our Lord accepted the will of the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember when he said, if it's your will, Father, take this cup from me. And the cup didn't go anywhere, but he did. And this brings us to our third temptation. Our Lord was tempted by Satan to use his power for his own glory. But Jesus did not come to achieve glory for himself by his actions or to give glory to the Father whose source was of his power was why he was here. How many times again in our own lives are we tempted to use our gifts for our own glory, for ourselves? I'm always humbled to be so blessed as to realize that I have been able to use one of my gifts for God. And I often wonder, why me, Lord? Boy, well, you sure think I can do a lot. And then I realize he doesn't think I can do a lot. He thinks he can do a lot through me. I can do nothing without him. Absolutely nothing. And we don't know, any of us, why We are the ones that are chosen to accomplish God's will in our lives, but we know that we are called to be grateful for those gifts and to use them, as the Jesuits are fond of saying, for the greater glory of God. Now, if there's one last point here, the two of the three temptations Satan says if you are the son of God, then. And the last temptation could easily be rephrased as if you wish all of these kingdoms, then bow down and worship me. What Satan is probably saying in these statements is, if you're the son of God, why don't you prove it? Why don't you prove it? And people will listen to you. But you're not going to prove it. I know you're not And each of these are a challenge to our Lord to use his powers first to satisfy his own needs, second, to impress others, and third, to achieve his own glory. But you know what? Jesus doesn't have to prove anything to anyone, and neither do any of us. The only person we have to prove anything to is our God. Now, Lent is a time to acknowledge our sinfulness, but not to dwell on it. We have to acknowledge that if we appreciate the extent of God's goodness, this is precisely what Paul is teaching us today. The sinfulness of humankind cannot be denied. It just can't. All you have to do is turn on the television and listen to the news. But as grievous as sin may be, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for all of us and for the many? Unbelievable. Paul contrasts Adam and the evil of human sin with Christ and the grace that comes because of divine mercy. According to Paul, there is no comparison. Grace far surpasses sin. In the goodness and the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offenses. Someone sent me the following story, and I just think it's perfect for this Sunday. It exemplifies, I think, to all of us the way most of us face and overcome temptation. I know I'm guilty. Most of you are familiar with the stories from The Wind and the Willows. Well, this is a story about Mr. Frog and Mr. Toad as they're discussing sin. They don't know they're discussing sin, but they are. Mr. Toad baked some cookies. And he said, oh, these cookies smell so very good. And he ate one and they tasted even better than they smelled, he thought. And he ran over to Mr. Frog's house. Frog, Frog, taste these cookies that I've made. And Frog ate one of the cookies. Oh, Mr. Toad, these are the best cookies I have ever eaten. Frog and Toad sat there and they ate one cookie after another. You know, Toad, said Frog with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating because soon we're going to be sick. You're right, said Toad. Let's eat one last cookie, and then we'll stop. So Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. There were still a lot of cookies left in the bowl. Frog said, Toad, let's eat one very, very last cookie, and then we'll stop. And Frog and Toad ate one more very last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad, as he ate one more cookie. Yes, said Frog, reaching for another cookie. We need willpower. What's willpower, said Toad? Willpower is trying hard not to do something you really want to do. You mean like trying hard not to eat all these cookies, asked Toad. Right, said Frog. Frog took the cookies and he put them in a box. There, he said, now... We'll not eat any more cookies. But we can open the box, said Toad. That's true, said Frog. Frog tied some string around the box. There he said, no one will eat any more cookies. But we can cut the string and open the box, said Toad. That's true, said Frog. And he got on a ladder and he put the box of cookies up on a high shelf. There, said Frog. "'No one will eat any more cookies. "'But we can climb the ladder and take the box down from the shelf. "'And we can cut the string and open the box,' said Toad. "'That is true,' said Frog. "'And Frog climbed the ladder and took the box down from the shelf. "'And he cut the string and he opened the box. "'And Frog took the box outside and he shouted in a loud voice, "'Hey, birds, here's some cookies!' and he threw them out to the birds. And birds came from everywhere, and they picked up cookies in their beaks, and they flew away. And he kind of puffed up, and he said, Now, we have no more cookies to eat. Toad said sadly, Yeah, not even one. Yes, said Frog, but we have a lot of willpower. I'm proud of us, said Toad as he began to leave. Where are you going, Frog asked. I'm going home to bake a cake. Isn't that where we are? We get so proud of ourselves because we overcome one temptation and we turn around and we're right into another one. And that willpower comes from grace. And that grace comes from God. There's a saying that goes around and around and around that God never gives us more than we can handle. I don't believe that for one red hot minute. God never gives us more than God and we can't handle together. I don't know about you, but I can't handle it alone. And I thank God that he has given me the grace. And I ask him to keep reminding me that it's there. Amen. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.